So kicking off 2024 and season 4 of the You Ain't Or Nothing Yet podcast, we have guys that are releasing their debut single this week. They are a collection of four lads, one of them who is out this evening, who each individually have more talent in their little toe than I do in my entire body. They have played gigs all over, they have supported the likes of Ryan McMullen, and while writing these questions, I had a flashback of puking them at a wedding many moons ago. In front of me is Harry, Connor and Theon to make up Carcel, lads. How are you? Great. Thanks for having us. Not a problem, not a problem. Well, I'm good. Um, it is a Monday evening as the start of the week. We're just going to get stuck straight in. Where did this all start? Where did the four years come together? We were all in the same class in uh, secondary school. And I have been a singer from, I was maybe four or five. Um, singing in the I, womb, basically then? More or less, yeah. Um, a musical family. Connor's mum is quite musical. And then Fionn was doing drumming lessons from, uh, I think it was through the SELB uh, from primary school. So we all You're just a up... pretty face, Fionn. Is that what they're... <laughs> oh, with that. We, um, so we ended up, just by pure coincidence, being thrown together um, in secondary school. We're all from different parts. We're all local, but um, all different primary schools. So didn't put each other's names down or nothing. It was just by pure chance. A couple of years into secondary school, me and Honor auditioned for some silly, uh, like you think you've got talent type <laughs> show. And they came out. Robin's got talent. Robin's <laughs> got talent or something, something like that. Anyway, um, purely because the top prize was like two hundred pound and two hundred pound to a fourteen year old lad is like four million. Like yeah. it was just. Like we were like, yes, we're going to go and we're going to win this and we're going to take over the world, which we didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then I used to play in the orchestra and in, in the academy and Fionn played the drums in the orchestra. Me and Connor just kind of went, you know what, we could use a drummer. Like if we are thinking about um, taking this seriously. Um, my uncle's a gigger and my dad was a bouncer in um, a lot of local bars and they were coming home telling us how much money you could make as a singer. And we were like, yep. oh my God, maybe we should go out and do gigs. Of course. Um, and then we just expanded from there and thought, yeah, why not? We'll give it a go. We went with a three piece. Um, and then obviously COVID happened. I moved to London to university and the two lads kept going uh, uh, under the name of Three's a Crowd, um, which was our original name. I came home and we expanded into a four piece which is kind of where we've ended up now, if somebody wants to take over the... We were sort of we're sort of really lucky because with lead guitarists, we're lucky enough to have two. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Harry left to go to do his degree in, in London, me and Connor, basically, we had already sort of established ourselves in local bars to keep ourselves going as a two-piece. So that was all right. And we sort of... We really enjoyed it, but we sort of just wanted, we were sort of calling out for a bigger sound and wanted a bigger sound from it. So we thought we'll try to get back to a three piece. And I guess, Connor, you can probably tell the first story about how we met our first uh, guitarist who is now living the dream in New Zealand. Uh, well, when we wanted the bigger sound, we initially thought, right, there's me and Fionn and we'll see if we can get an additional person in. The guy that uh, we originally had, Niall Bullock, who is currently now in New Zealand, I was on the bus home from uni one day, a completely packed bus. There's only one seat left. And I got talking to Niall again after two or three years. I used to play football with him, used to play basketball with him. And he just 
randomly said, right, so let's, let's do this, basically. Um, okay. So he came on board, and almost immediately after we decided, let's expand back up to a three-piece, COVID happened. And Harry got sent home, back from, he was in London, <laughs> basically finished up university, and the musical theatre industry shut down. Mm. So Harry came back home, and all of a sudden, just a perfect mashup really happened of our lead singer coming back. We have a lead guitarist. And I owned a bass, so I became a bassist. So, are, are you the only people where COVID was actually a good thing? Like, like, is this the only <laughs> instance? You know, it kind of, it kind of just, yeah, everything kind of just fell into place after COVID. It was really, really weird, and like it was kind of my saving grace. As Connor said, like I went over to drama school in London and was gonna be in my head I was like oh West End blah 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 this yeah. is what I want to do um, and then obviously theatre closed for 14 months we were sent home and it was like right okay what am I going to do I'm not singing anymore and mm-hmm. I've had all this money and spent three years in learning how to sing mm-hmm. I was like you know what bars are starting to open up again theatres were the, like, the last thing to open so I texted the boys and I was like look I am here I don't know how long I'm going to be here for but I want to get back into the band again. And in fairness to the boys, they could have turned around and said, no, we're, you know, we're, we're going to a different thing. They, they, brought, they brought me back in. Whether they wanted to or not, I was there. And then as Fion said, Niall is now living the dream in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So he had kind of made us aware of that was his like long-term plan. And he was never really in the band long-term, but he just loved playing music and hadn't yeah. played it for long to get involved. So... We started to write our own music in and around that time, not including like when you're 12 and your mom put you upstairs and took your Xbox off you and you go upstairs. <laughs> you're a nerd, so you start writing stuff down and that's how you learn how to write songs. Of course. Um, we'd started taking it a wee bit more seriously when Nal was there and we had been in like Fionn's, he was looking stuff up for this podcast today and made a terrifying discovery that the original um city lights was uh, recorded like n- nearly three years ago okay so uh, we started taking things seriously and then now leaving kind of slowed things down again but we knew that was going to happen and then Eamon is a musical director and I was directing a show here and he was the musical director on it and we ended up getting quite close mm-hmm. Niall was leaving and we needed a guitarist for a wedding gig that we still needed to fulfill. And okay. Eamon played for that wedding gig and has done every wedding gig since. Fantastic. And me and Fionn sat him down one day and just said, look, this is kind of where... It's, it sounded almost mafia-like there. We sat him down, we told him, <laughs> we had it. You know? um, we sat him down one day and we're just like, you know, this is what we want to do. Eamon, like you said at the beginning, that we had all this musical talent. Um, Eamon is the musical talent of the band. He's like an absolute genius. He's probably better at all of our instruments than we are individually. He's just such an asset to us. Funny just when you mentioned him, he's not even here. By the way, for anybody that's listening, the three lads are here in front of me. Eamon is away teaching this evening. I was going through different socials and such stuff and I found Eamon and I was going through and it was like, Benny and Jet's favourite song. I think I could get on with this guy. Yeah. And then it was like age 30 plus. <laughs> Nothing but the age down 30 plus. <laughs> I mean, no. He's be 70. You know? That's him. Uh, but like, if you go through his Instagram, you see videos of him being bored during COVID mm. and like creating his own home videos. And he's like a videographer and photographer in his own right. But then yeah. he was recording himself playing the drums 
then playing piano, then singing, then playing guitar and putting them all together. Like he, he really, really is. He's class. So we sat him down and just said, look, we want to go down this songwriting route. We've got stuff there. We want to release it. We want you involved in it. And he was happy to. And we're here. Beautiful thing blossomed, you know. Um, he yeah. sounds a bit like a Dave Grohl type of character. You know, he can play all the bloody instruments, you know what I mean? You know, bring bring it all together. I want to ask, where was the name, where did the name, you know, birth from? Like, these all just really love playgrounds? I mean, where does, where is this yeah. name from? So we were basically sitting outside Connor's home house one day, the four of us. And we basically just thought, right, we need a new name. We need a rebrand as well. Mm. Three's a crowd wasn't going to cut it. Not that Carousel maybe is even better, but <laughs> <laughs> we needed a team in general. We needed to rebrand everything. Um, so we thought new members will rebrand it, we'll rename it. And we're just sitting around, just saying the most stupid names, just sitting in a circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we sort of just made a joke about how we could all play different instruments and you could like theoretically like switch instruments mid gig and stuff like that there. Right. Like, Carousel basically like like a merry-go-round and then that's basically we just said wait what about carousel it's like look I like it yeah it's just happened that way there's there's actual your listeners might know there's like a massive musical called carousel and I was like secretly like oh yes I've got a musical kind of shoehorned in there and the boys (laughs) didn't really know about it Um, and I'm also a Liverpool fan and the song You Never Walk Alone is from the musical Carousel so I was like this is just all working out they haven't a clue he was puppeteering the whole time he knew exactly (laughs) what he was doing yeah no that's that's what happened Connor he I was playing something on guitar guitar is not really my thing I I just can't and the boys are all nodding in agreement Um, (laughs) not really my thing at all and I was trying to get something and Connor took the guitar off me he was like look hi like you haven't a clue what you're doing just give me the guitar and Niall ended up with Connor's bass and he wasn't getting something right in the bass and I took it off him not that I'm a bassist either mm-hmm. but the instruments were literally just going like that and I was like this is like a carousel I think at that time as well we were kind of looking a one word mm. name yeah. as well so you have Nirvana you have Oasis all these big bands we were thinking I would love just one word to actually be the name and as soon as that happened we are kind of just like right this you could spend 20 years trying to pick a band name we just thought you know what we all kind of like this and you'll probably never get another <laughs> one we'll all kind of like so we just thought yeah. right let's go this and go with it yeah we all we all don't hate this name <laughs> well first of all before i get into asking about your influences and where and how that all works as like a four piece you're all from throne can i just let everybody know you're all throne men no you, you can't <laughs> oh okay right perhaps, right go on talk to me i'm from armada Ah, oh, there's always one there's always been one, but yeah, so saying that we're all from Drone would be would just wouldn't be right. <laughs> You're like, end the interview now, it's it's over. He's from yeah. the other side of Tom more about like he's more or less. <laughs> fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Well look, he's excited the likes of you know Sam Fender, brilliant artist, the killers, um, 1975 as influences. Who influenced you each when you were younger? You know, was it that cousin that showed you, you know, David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust for the first time. Was it your ma who's a big fan of Bentley Spears? Was it, you know, your granny playing country music when she was babysitting you after school? Where did the musical influences originally happen? Just a- any music at all. I'll get mine out of the way because it's <laughs> the real boring one. Like, I let the lads do all the class music in the background. Like, mine is the, obviously musical theatre and performance. Like, it, mm. it kind of lends itself to lyrics as well. Like, the lyrics of City Lights when everybody gets to hear it. Like, they mean something and... 
like they do tell a bit of a story. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of songs now, like as silly and wanky as that sounds, like it, like they do tell a story. And okay. I, whenever I'm singing, like I like to sing with a bit of meaning behind the song. Meaning. You know. What I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's probably my big influence in terms of like my vocal and like you'll probably hear it in my voice and Fionn and even Connor at times would be like you know sing it more like this or sing it more like Noel Gallagher would sing it or put a bit more rock in your voice but that's yeah, just not yeah. like I've been trained to sing it in a certain way yeah so that's probably mine I let all them do the pool rock and indie, <laughs> indie music in the background for me it's I started playing guitar probably when I was I I used to play viola up to a grade one level and I didn't like it at all. So my ma said, look, if you're going to drop an instrument, you have to pick up another. Okay. So I said, right, I want a guitar for Christmas. Got a guitar for Christmas and for four years just didn't put it down. Um, I, th- I think actually you saw Sam Fender says in an interview too when he first discovered the power chord. That's changed everything because it's, it's three notes that if you move it anywhere in the neck, it'll make... A chord and from there well, the first band was really into it was Green Day and then it just moved along which to this day they haven't really moved along they're some of my favorite bands <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really it's just been an evolution from there so um, that that was the original influence but my ma's always played um, guitar and stuff about the house as well she's always playing the piano and then mm. when it came to the bass as well it was a case of um, most basses Bassists start off as guitarists, turn bassists. But once I used to play piano as well, so it was a case of I could take some of the kind of the musical theory from that back in the day and maybe apply it a bit more to bass as opposed to just, you know, root notes playing or whatever. So the, the influences from before really all started from a ma basically saying, you know, you're going to be musical. If you don't want to play it, you have to play something else. You've got no choice. Whether you like <laughs> so it or not, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Basically made a deal with me and then we went to Gene Stewart's and got myself sorted for Christmas one year and that was me on the way for the next 10 to 15, basically from there. Fantastic, fantastic. And then Fionn, what about you? Was there, you know, I'm not saying specifically there was a drummer that was in your head, but even when you were younger, like, was there music that you were listening to or that somebody perhaps in your family showed you? I really liked um, U2 when I was younger. I suppose I can speak for him and he was obsessed with U2 as well, just for his inspiration, but... You too, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and even the like yeah. Snow Patrol and stuff, I really like. But they probably been influenced by the lads in the band as well. Like being in the same class as Connor, like was straight away listening to more Green Day because of that. Um, and even Harry, like Harry didn't even say there, but he was pretty obsessed with Elvis too when he was younger. So yeah. even getting Elvis, like it was, and sorry, probably the biggest one in the room is Oasis between mm-hmm. all of us, I'd say. Huge, you know. Been influenced by them guys as well as Mel bringing, I suppose. You think it's hard, right? So you all have different influences. You all play different instruments and the same instruments and all sorts of things. You're a four piece. And before we actually come on to chat about, you know, your release, like, was it hard? Is it hard for everybody to bring, you know, your collective thought together and bring it into something that turns out to be brilliant? Obviously, there's going to be arguments. Obviously, there's going to be disagreements. Do you struggle with that? I think we're actually... So obviously, if you're going through a process, a lot of the times, all of our songs start off with some crusty old WhatsApp voice note of someone will just be playing a guitar, yeah. singing another song, and then it evolves. Fiona mentioned, or I mentioned earlier, back the first voice note for this song was from three years ago, and when you hear the original version, you think, "God, 
so much has changed, but you can hear the guts of the good song is always still on an acoustic guitar and a person singing. Mm-hmm. So, and Fionn's probably the most prolific in terms of he has the most maybe ideas and songs that he has, you know, recorded and sent across, but he almost then takes that basis and then based, he passes us to the band, basically opens up to us. And then the stuff that maybe Fionn can't play on the guitar, we can then kind of bring it out and then the song expands and then you add more on top of it. And it's just, you almost need the back and forth in order to get the best final product at the end. There's, It's a case of you throw enough at the wall and you see what sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, the amount of stuff we've put into this song, taken out of it, added it in, slightly changed it all. There's, there's been so much goes into it, but it's, that's required, I think, to get the end product that you're actually looking for as well. Yeah. 100%. Like I, I'd love to say that I could uh, be a singer-songwriter and get up on stage myself and do it all myself, but it's 100% not. Like, mm. uh, I needed to... When the first recording of City Lights came out, I needed to bring it to the guys because like Connor can immediately add better chords to it, better progressions to it. Harry then can sing it so much better and he can add ideas for melodies. And that's sort of the way mm-hmm. it works. With this particular song, it's taken us years. To, it's just with COVID and stuff, with Harry leaving to go to London, yep. that's just how long it's taken. But since then, like, you know, like we're in the studio this Wednesday, come on for the next song to try to get it out as well. So like this is sort of snowballing now where we're all in the right place to really to do that. And that's sort of the process. It's bring the original ideas and then just bounce it off the four of us until we're ready to go to the studio. It's great to hear that these all are collaborative. And obviously, as I said, any band or any team are going to have disagreements. But I want to ask as well about gigs. You know, you've been playing gigs together for a while is, has there been a favourite gig? Obviously, you know, is, if it, correct me if I'm wrong, you supported Ryan McMullen, which was a fantastic feat because he's absolutely brilliant. I've seen him live. He's class. But has there been a favourite gig to date? It doesn't have to be a collective answer, but, you know, you know, a gig perhaps in, in, a, in your local hometown where, you know, it was your, just your family and friends really that was there and a few old boys standing at the bar. Or was it the Ryan McMullen gig? Or was it, you know, the time that, you know, you played a track that was maybe an original and one of your partners heard it for the first time, maybe? Um, yeah, we've, we've been doing it for over 10 years now, which is really, really scary to say. So there's loads of gigs. And like for every class gig, there's 10 absolute stinkers. Like the yep. places that we've played that we just had to play and get through. And it was, yeah, you know, you're so thankful for getting them. But mm. gigs where you're dying or gigs where you just really don't want to be there gigs that are like coming at the end of a 10 day run of gigs and you just want it to be over so there there are low moments as well but like a high moment for me was really recently we we played at somebody's wedding um like there's a lot of pressure on a wedding i suppose um and it's right and obviously when you listen to uh, our music, it's not like your stereotypical Irish wedding band that you would normally associate with weddings. But long story short, somebody was getting married in Newcastle and they flew us out and paid for us to stay and all. It was it was great. And we took it and eventually we were like, "What? why have we took this? This is, like, we have to go to Newcastle in the morning. <laughs> uh, but we went out the night before and like it was the first time because there is four of us, it's different if you're on your own or if it's a two-piece. You have a bit more downtime together, um. Whereas as a four piece, like we're always working all the time, and we don't mm-hmm. really get a lot of time together. So yeah. 
the night before we were out with a couple like a couple of pints, no pressure, just ah. chilling out. The next day we did the gig in Newcastle and it was playing in like an abandoned brewery. Like they had a massive big room, but like some of the brewery was still working and we played in this big function room. It was amazing. And we had looked up and like Sam Fender had played in this place before when he was a lot younger and the guy who was playing the DJ is one of those new DJs that comes on and plays the saxophone. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, like a big See, thing of Sam, a big thing of Sam Fender's is the saxophone. The sax, yeah, yeah. So we were playing um, seventeen going under or whatever. whatever we ended up doing maybe four or five Sam Fender songs that night, and he came out and started playing the saxophone in the middle of it. And I was like, you know what, music is just so cool. Like we don't know this guy at all. We are just four lads over enjoying a bit of music playing were uh icon to us even mm. though he's so like with a massive influence we're playing in a place that he's played in his hometown playing his song and a guy playing the saxophone and then at the end of it he comes over and he's like oh you did it in a different key i used to play um in a band with the guy who is sam fender's saxophone player and we were nice. like okay that's that's another pretty cool moment you know what I mean? yeah, all he was yeah. He was just there being a DJ at a wedding and we just bumped into him. So that, like, I was just, I was lying in bed that night and I was like, I was really, really cool. And I know it was somebody's wedding. Like, it's not the most glamorous gig in the world, but it just, it felt really, really cool. Like, for me, anyway, I, I love that okay. one. Connor, Fionn, what do you think? What you, have you had a favourite gig that stands out in your head? I just don't know. Just years and years on, on the gigging scene, I suppose. Like, they've probably all blended into one, but it's like... Yeah. You sort of just touching on Harry's story about you sort of you feel very grateful when you're being paid to fly somewhere and you know basically hang out with your mates and play music sort of puts it into perspective and then the stage gigs like you know before the whistling donkeys you know before Ryan McMull things like that where you you're nervous and you're excited and all the rest those are probably the ones that stand out and sort of make you think oh imagine this was you know, your job yeah. is is what does it for me, I guess. Give it a year, Fionn, you'll be at an EP, lad. <laughs> yeah. And Connor, what about yourself? Has there been a gig that stands out or is it just that feeling? To, to be honest, the, when you asked the question, I did think all three of us would have the same answer as that Newcastle gig. Um, Just the thought process, you know, going over, getting set up, doing your sound check before, you're actually on a stage. You know, you're not just sitting in the corner of a pub or something. You're, you're up on yeah. the stage. They had a light guy in, had a sound guy in, everything. It, you just showed up and played your music in a way. Most gigs yeah. you come in, you're there an hour early, you set up all your stuff, you're doing your own sound, that kind of stuff. You actually uh-huh. had the experience of coming in, setting up, doing your music, and then, you know, out the door again. And then yeah. playing in Newcastle, the crowd that was there, it was a really, really good wedding. They're all really, you know, up for it from the start as well. Just that, that one is a standout for me, just with the, the situation of, you know, being over there somewhere different, thinking when why why would I ever be in Newcastle apart from doing this? <laughs> and then yeah, you end up over there and it just it, it was a great, great um, time away for us as well. And it, it's the gig itself was also fantastic and it was one of the nicer pints I've had in a while as well. There. The, the brewery was really solid. <laughs> I was going to say you wouldn't be in Newcastle for the beer because some of their ale is is dishwater. But if uh, I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. Do you know what I mean? Fionn, I'm going to come to you for this next question first. You mentioned about, you know, perhaps nerves before gigs. I know when you talk about people who play sport or, again, real established bands and they talk about the rituals that they have before gigs, 
do you have any rituals before gigs? You know, do you, um, you know, is there something that you do with your drums before? Do you kiss your drums? Do you, you know, is there anything at all? Get up. We just try to remember my sticks. <laughs> <laughs> walking, walking on this stage. I don't know, like you can, I think it's like anything, you can overthink something like that mm. and overthink yourself into pure anxiety, probably. I think if you know you're going on stage, that you're getting on that stage no matter no matter what, I guess. So you may as well just sort of embrace it and, you know, enjoy yourself, try and enjoy yourself when you're up there. But I know probably the old lads will say the same, like the first one or two tunes on the stage is always nervous. Like, yeah. Harry, what about yourself? Is there anything, do you have any rituals? Do you, you know, some people say a prayer, some people have a pint or two, some people... Um, depending on the gig, I suppose. Like if I was on a stage outside of the band, like I have my own wee rituals, but I, I guess mm. you don't really, like if you're in a show playing a role, you're kind of in the zone, kind of trying to stay in okay. that. Zone. Whereas doing this, you're like as cheesy as it sounds, like you get to do it with your best mates you're chilled out you've so much experience in doing it i probably have more experience because i do a lot of stuff on my own and in terms of gigging Mm -hmm. as well so i don't really feel nerves now i get nervous if somebody asks me to play a song and i'm a yes person and the boys will tell you that too like i just go oh yeah that's right we'll take a look at that and the two boys will look at me and go we've never heard that song before and i'm like (laughs) Yeah, I'll just look it up and I'll make up the chords. And as someone who's not the best guitarist in the world, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I am really, really going to struggle to get through to the end of this song. Like I get nervous <laughs> sometimes playing the guitar. But um, no, I, I I like to, if I remember, and like if I've got a big gig, mm. like I, I kind of put myself through my paces in my ter- like in terms of warming up and stuff. And, um, and then whenever my guitar is plugged in, I would probably play the same three or four chords round, just like we habits that you would go to um, mm-hmm. probably more noticeable. Like Connor would probably say the same thing. Like when Connor turns his guitar on, like I know that like we licks that he's going to do in his guitar. Just, it's just kind of natural to him now. Yeah. Just yeah. almost like, and he probably doesn't think of it as a warm up, but it is kind of like a warm up. Make sure the guitar is working, make sure it's all in tune. Um, so I would do wee things like that kind of just out of habit, but not really thinking of it as a ritual, if you know what I mean. Fair. And Connor? Yeah, I suppose that's that's true, and I, I never really thought of that. When first time, like, if Harry tunes up guitar and I tune up guitar, I will 100% play an E chord, just because that's the most, like, open note you can play. If that sounds right, then you're kind of tuned in. But to be honest, I don't get I would have got nervous, because when Harry went away and I started to do the singing, mm. and was the two-piece for a while, I would have been more nervous then, because it's completely new, something I hadn't done before. But mm-hmm. at this point, you know, when we're playing as a four-piece band or a three-piece or whatever, I, I don't get nervous, because I think we've been doing it that long. I, I kind of just back us at this stage, you know. Yeah. I think all of us know what we're doing. It's, if, I mean, the crowd's not going, you know, sometimes the crowd can be a bit weird and you're, you're thinking, right, what do we do next to try to get them up or whatever? But ultimately, I'd say, you know, if we had 100 gigs, 99 out of 100, we're going to get the crowd up. But I just back us at that point. I think we, we think we can, you know, we're tight enough as a band now to kind of know we can do what needs to be done. We're, we're, I'd say one of the bands, it wouldn't be too many four-piece bands that takes as many requests as we do. We would just, like, if someone has a song and we all roughly know it, we'll just... We'll give it a go, and yep. because we've been doing it that long, we usually can get through it. And then we'll say, "God, that song went well." And then we'll keep doing it, you know, in normal gigs, and we'll kind of, you know, build on it from there. But no, at, at, the, at this stage, 
with rituals and stuff. You do have the things you do when you get up on stage just to make sure you're all in tune, make sure everything's working. Nothing, you know, you don't want to have speakers blowing up and all that kind of stuff. But of course, um, I wouldn't the nerves and all that at, at this point. Maybe this is the next step: going out and playing your original music. You know, mm. I'll probably be nervous when that comes around because we haven't played that. You know, that's yeah. not something we've been doing for ten years. That's a new thing. So that's that's the next stage. It's you don't want to sit in comfort, I suppose. So you want to keep kind of watching yourself, and that this is the next step for that, really. Fair play, fair play. Well, look, lads. You know, realistically, I suppose we're going to have to talk about this single because you know why else would you be sitting here on a very cold Monday evening chatting to me? And this thing is called City Lights. In the first few chords, I hear the Coronas. I hear the song being an anthem. It's not just you know, it's 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 a big tune. I hear thought to myself do i hear a love song but it's it's maybe just about or starting to feel that love i suppose or maybe that's what it's that's what it is but before we get into the nitty-gritty of the song why this song first like you mentioned earlier that there's there might be other things you know already in the pipeline i assume there is why this song first <laughs> probably comes back to the idea you get four ways around a table and agree on something <laughs> <laughs> fair, uh, fair. Basically, before you yeah. start, Fionn is probably the most difficult to argue with. And once he gets his point across, and Fionn is the, the main songwriter of the band, I suppose. Okay. Fionn like, um, would write a lot of a lot of our songs, so he, he obviously is passionate about it. And well, I, I have a few I questions. Know. Me and Fionn might fall out here then, so let's... <laughs> <laughs> um, it, has, it has worked out really, really well, but there are songs that... I'm not going to give away now that like I was fighting for and Connor was fighting for mm. um, and like songs that Fionn wrote as well. Like it, it wasn't that I was like, I want the my song out yep. first or Connor yep. his Just songs, I suppose, as Fionn said, there's, there's four different lads with four different influences and can see the band going in different directions. But we had actually released, Ryan McMullen was doing a, like open competition to open for him. We ended up opening for him uh, by chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, through through a different um, like booking agent type thing, but we recorded a song called Vertigo, which is still up on our um, Instagram, okay. which was an awful song, and that's kind of where we thought we were going to go to, right? Um, and we were just sitting like jamming to it one day, and we were like, we don't know if this song is going to go anywhere. Like, is it attention seeking? And eventually, we were in with Ross Lavery, who's our uh, producer, who produces all of our music. We had sent a couple of different recordings to him and we were back in with him one Wednesday or Thursday evening and he played this start of City Lights, which yeah. sounded absolutely nothing like Fionn's disjointed out of tune guitar version that initially came to us. Yeah, he just, yeah. whatever way he heard it, just something sparked in him and it's got like a big like ka-ching yeah. sound at the start of it with a guitar and immediately we just went right. Okay, this is this is gonna go is somewhere. Yeah. Um, so that's probably how we stumbled on uh, on City Lights. And it is. It's I get serious anthem vibes. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the song that people will know and will go back to and will be relatable. But a lot of the song feels very absolute. You know, there's lines like "We won't change our minds," and I get the feeling that it's that where you're starting to fall for somebody. When they send you a WhatsApp message and you glance down at your phone, you get that smile. You're, you're starting to get the feeling, and then you know nobody's gonna, you know nobody's gonna stop us, even though there's lines like "This life takes away our dreams." Is that something that you were trying to convey in the song, or am I just reading way too much into it? 
Mm-hmm. Why not? Um, it was said like that first wrote I first wrote it in February two thousand and twenty one, mm-hmm. um, and sent it like. It's probably a, a good bit about that. It's like that feeling of, you know, just sort of putting the really serious stuff aside and just going and having fun and, you know, just forgetting about all your troubles for the evening and stuff like that. That's sort of the feeling it is. It's like that carefree with somebody you care about sort of, mm. sort, of sort of vibe, I guess, um, I was going for. Yeah, that's pretty much you're not too far away. So I then have a question, right? Chase these pavements. Adele talks about it. You talk about it. You know, <laughs> are, are like, are you, is there, and you say that that's her lightheartedness, like, that's just, you know, be carefree. You know, I, I sometimes wonder then, or I was wondering then, is this the start of the journey? Um, it's the living in the moment. It's that this pavement, this footpath is going to take us somewhere. And you know what? We just see where it goes. The, the, you know, the city lights will shine on us. They'll, they'll guide the way. You're, yeah, you're 100% right. Um, we're obviously from rural places. <laughs> in Ireland and like I love being in whether it's New York or London or Mm. anywhere like that I love being in the city and obviously with someone you care about as well as you said that sort of carefree living in the moment feeling comes out and that's sort of what drives us all. Fair enough how did your girlfriend feel when you when you wrote this song did you tell her you wrote it specifically about her with her in mind and you know uh, she's heard that many songs at this point like I don't know what she thinks anymore <laughs> good and bad ones got there I don't know something like a lot of the time the songs are about you know probably specific things and how mm. you're feeling like that. but sometimes it can be completely random and nothing to do with her or me probably it's just yeah. you have an idea and then you bring it to the lads and it, it expands from there and then the sort of guitar solo at the end, uh, the the instruments at the end, was that was that purposeful? Is that going back to Connor, for example? You know your roots of you know the likes of Green Day, you know in that, or or even Harry, I suppose when you think about musicals, and there is well there is going to be words in it, so I've sort of contradicted myself here, but you know that big almost bombastic ending to what's going to happen with the outro guitar solo. So we were. Had the guts of the song, you had your verse, chorus, first course, and we were kind of at a point where, like, how does this, how does the song actually finish? Mm-hmm. So we then were kind of jamming through it, and Eamon, he's the lead guitarist, so we're like, right, Eamon, give us, give us a guitar solo, just recorded two or three different versions to kind of get it through. And we always, at, at the time, I thought the two bands that always have outros to songs that's, you know, are no longer lyrics or Oasis and U2. So U2 will always have maybe the song kind of diminishes down and the guitars kind of swell up from there. Uh-huh. And then Oasis outros. An Oasis song could be three minutes and then there's an additional four and a half minutes of outro to this one. So at that point, we were kind of like, right, let's let's just kind of get to a big crescendo of all the instruments kind of going to their, their maximum level, really push the song and just would just let him and loose essentially on it. So there's probably four or five different versions of that solo. And then we talk kind of aspects of each one, say Damon, that bit's really good. Make sure you have that in this next take and all that kind of stuff. So that was almost just thinking, right, we've got him here, fantastic guitarist. Let, let's let him loose. Let's get, you know, the song sonically finishing on a really, on a really big high, just because at one point we're kind of like, can we release this? Cause we don't know what to do for this last bit, just because there's, <laughs> It's hard to finish a song, you know, you've got yeah. all the good ideas for it, and it's hard to finish it. And then that was a really just 
it fit the song as well, just that big outro coming through as well. And then Harry finally before I bring his on to sort of the end of, of the interview, did you not to, this was the wrong words, not did you struggle singing it, but how did you grasp it initially? You know, when you were chatting with the lads or chatting it through with, with Fionn, who who I am guessing here ultimately wrote the song. How did you get on? Uh, blood, sweat and tears, I suppose. <laughs> um, you know, and again, it like it it's Fionn's brainchild, the majority of it is. So mm. like he envisaged it being being done in a certain way and, and to be fair he does write stuff for my voice and, and okay. for my vocal uh style i suppose he, he makes it easy for you do you know what i mean yeah, well, he does he does he makes the job way bit easier and then if i am um, slacking he gives me a kick up the backside <laughs> sometimes time as well but yeah uh, connor's connor's dad always used to say to me like if i was singing a johnny cash song i sounded like johnny cash Okay, and if I was singing an Elvis song, like I would put on an Elvis accent. Yeah. So yep. yeah, I just probably never really found my own voice mm-hmm. until I went to London to kind of do theatre, and it's your own interpretation of songs, and mm-hmm. like you're not going off recordings that you've heard fifty million times. Yeah. Um, you know, because you do famous songs in pubs, and people want to hear them the way that yeah, you know, and and it's it's. The exact same as like if you're playing this sweet child of mine riff, you know, you're not going to change that because they want to hear the because that's the famous bit. Uh-huh. They don't want to hear Johnny Cash song a la <laughs> Lambert, really. So yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to sing an original song, like it is really, really strange because you have nothing to go on. You just have uh-huh. to sing it like you. Mm-hmm. But to be fair... To be fair to Fionn, like he knows his singer and he knows his guitarist, and like, and he kind of knows who he is writing for. So it's easier in that sense. But it takes a million takes, like, and yeah. and Ross have so many cuts um, and stuff because you just try and add so many layers because, like, the singing is the one thing. Like, I, I come into the recording studio and. Like I'm on the mic for five minutes and then we're in there for four hours and I'm just watching like these three lads plus Ross, these four lads create a massive sound and I can't have any input in that. I yeah. try my best <laughs> and explain it and I'm like, can you do the do-do-do's a wee bit later? And they're like, what do you mean? Like that that is incredible music terminology. So when it, <laughs> singing, mm. when it comes to singing, that's where I... Yeah, I, I try and be much of a perfectionist as I can because um, that is the only thing that I really bring to it. So, yeah, it is, it's strange singing your own original stuff because you have no basis, but mm. it's also a nice way to express yourself. And, like, I change some of the melodies again, which Fionn isn't too, isn't too precious about either. Like, he's happy to just go, here's here's your, you know, there's your building blocks. Go and design the house whatever way you want, basically. 100%. That's the beauty of it. Sorry, like... The second version that he lights, like it was written, the lyrics were there. And if you heard what I brought to Harry and what mm. actually happened, like it's so much better when he puts his influence into it, to be honest, mm. like it's night and day. So um, we do work well that way. Happy days. I might come on here more often. He doesn't pay me many compliments. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, Just sing it right. <laughs> Just sing it right the first time with it. <laughs> Before we get on to a few very um, jokey questions, you mentioned Ross, and Ross has been mentioned on this podcast before, who produces your, who does your production work. How important 
is he and how important is it to have a producer that's willing to listen and willing to put in their own thing, but also willing to listen to the for you? Uh, he's he's um, he's invaluable. Like he's just he's brilliant. Like like he, you'd send him you'd send him our original grainy shady WhatsApp uh, uh, audios, basically, and you know. The next thing you know, he, he, as we've talked about, he'll send you a, a small clip of how he thinks the guitar might sound in City Lights. And then all of a sudden, the song's transformed entirely. And probably now, to be honest, because of that small guitar section that he sent us, just as an idea, like that's probably probably the guts of where our sound is going. Okay. With the guitar tunes as well. Like, so like, he's as much part of the band in terms of shaping probably our future songs and where we're going as, as anybody else in the band. Like he, and he, as you said, the listening and being able to like offer advice at every point. He's just, he's mm. brilliant. He's totally invaluable. And like, I, I know it's often like, it, it, it's going to be hard to gauge for anybody who's writing their own music. And mm-hmm. I'm probably not in a place to give advice to someone who's writing their own music um, as we're kind of just starting out. But like the best advice I could give would be, get a producer that like is has the same musical interests as you has like has like he plays in a in an Irish like folk band and he obviously appreciates that type of music and does enjoy it but he doesn't get that opportunity to like shred the guitar and take the yeah. electric guitar out and really and he is really really passionate about music and he studied at university and all the rest so like he doesn't get a lot of opportunity to dive into songs uh-huh. and you go to his recording studio and he has a folder called Carousel and there's songs in there that he is writing for us. Yeah. Like, which we're like, oh my God. And <laughs> what, are you, like, what are you doing? And he's like, you have such a good sound and I can hear so many ideas. Mm. And like, he has this coming to us, to me with that sound. And I just want to be as much of it, like a part of it as I can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's just, he's totally invaluable. The, the song literally wouldn't exist <laughs> so because <clears throat> even when you're trying to get it because if you're in your we do our own demo sometimes just in garage mm. band or logic or something and of course you, you record it in it sounds fine but the process of you know mixing it and then he set, gets it off sent to mastered and even the process of getting a song on spotify isn't straightforward no. you know and he, he'd been there and done it and it's one of those things like you go to him with any question he'll give it the answer you know even for something as simple as how do we release this? Like he doesn't think about oh, what are you talking about? Like he will tell you, yes, this is a bit of a handle to actually get it done. But mm. even the bits of actually, and he's obviously been involved in promotional campaigns and all that kind of stuff. And he he's, it's valuable, the actual, you know, music part of it, but the actual getting the song that you've recorded and want to get out there to the world is advice on that's been spot on as well. You know, you, you don't just, um, you don't just go oh, upload Spotify and that's it. There's a whole process that kind of goes through and that kind of thing. And he's been a very, very crucial for, for that side of it as well as the actual music too. Fair play, fair play. Well, he is the, he's the fifth man, the unseen man in the band. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions here, lads. These are just a joke. These are just to sort of, you know, at the end of a at the end of a dinner, at the end of a long dinner, you're after your seven courses, and uh, they hand you like a little little shot glass or something. Do you know what I mean? This is the appetite. This is sort of just to to cleanse the palate, as it were, individually or answer as a band, but individually, whatever. If you were a drink, alcohol, or otherwise, what would you be? I would be a pint of Guinness because people pretend to like me. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would say I am a pint of Peroni because I'm so tall and it's a really, really tall pizza. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm the total opposite. I'm a pint of Camden because um, they're coming <laughs> way short, stumpy glasses. Okay, we're going to go with Connor next. I would have said a pint of Guinness just because... It's it's part of me, you know. <laughs> it can be, yeah, it can be. That, that's a good reason too. It doesn't have to be, you know. Guinness is my is, is my favorite brand. Never mind anything else. Mm. Just, yeah, so yeah. I would be a pint of Guinness as well. That's just it has to be. I can't do anything else. Fair enough. And Fion, probably a, a, a Negroni. Nobody likes me at first, but if you keep drinking, me, <laughs> <laughs> you'll get like me. I like it. I like it. Okay, we're gonna go to Connor for the first one this time. If you were a superpower. What would it be and what would you do with it? Uh, hmm. I'd like to just be able to play every instrument. To be honest, that'd be a really happy one just for this situation. You could go into a room and just say, give me that there, I can play that. And that would be a pretty impressive party trick no matter where you are in the world. Fair enough, fair enough. Harry? Um, there's a lot of stuff coming out here, like, but uh, <laughs> I would love like power of like flexibility. Like, um, what do you call him? Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four and just be able to like stretch myself. Fair, uh, fair. Yeah, it's. it's You've even a small man syndrome, Harry, would you? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff coming up here, Jack. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that would be mine. Everybody goes for strength and power of invisibility. I'm like, no, I if I could stretch in my lung, I think I could put that to good use. Fair enough. <laughs> Beyond? No, uh, give me teleportation or something like that there, so I can go wherever I want. But. Yeah, not that original, I guess. No, it's it's a common one. It's a common one. Do you know what I mean? It takes away our travel. You know, save the world, save the world. Um, Fionn, we're going to stay with you for this one. Why not? Um, what's your hangover cure? What's your go-to? Is it is it like a pint of milk? Is it just a massive Chinese? Is it just eat all around you? Is it eat nothing at all? Maybe you don't drink alcohol. What is it? If I'm if I'm down, like it, it's more of a battle of between me and try and eat food, probably. <laughs> the evening time, what? But then once it gets started. I'm hungry, like, um, I'd probably just try and drink liquids as, as much as I can, like Powerade and Lucasades and all the, the usual ones, probably. Of course, of course. Uh, Connor? This is very crucial. Another you pint of Guinness? <laughs> <laughs> you keep drinking. Um, no, you wake up, you have to feel sorry for yourself for an hour. Um, get out of bed, I always mm. think it's a big start, because if it you're is. just laying there hanging, and the crucial one is a McDonald's Fanta. That's yeah. is an absolutely on point. dynamite one. It does what I, I don't know what's going on in there, but it's it is absolutely spot on for what you're doing the next day. Of course, Harry. I kind of like to I, like I'm I'm quite a morning person. I I kind of like to get up and get about. Um, but if I've gone like that far and I'm properly properly down and just cannot move, it probably is mope about the house, stick the office on, and just watch as many episodes in a row as I can until somebody in the house says, right, I'm going down to the shop here. Do you want anything? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Give fair enough. Give never, the length of your arm. Like. Never go drinking in, in from Harry's house or stay in Harry's house because you'll end up getting dragged to Moss the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> my, my ones used to do the same. I've been there. So if you had a date with anybody living or dead, it doesn't have to be romantic, but it can be. Who would it be and what would you do? Come back to me, come back to me. Okay, I'll, okay. I'll take Jack Realist Ibiza. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. I like, yeah, we'll I, like that one, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Einstein will say that. I'd say that'll be an interesting conversation. Who's that, Trey? Einstein. 
Einstein. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, this is this is one throwing in just for Harry because he's the one I know in the group case or knew before or knew the rest of you. Your favorite musical, Harry. I'm coming to you first. I need a quick answer. You can't be deliberating over. It's it is Limes. I try and be different and odd about it, but it probably is Limes or Abel. Fionn, do you listen to musicals? Have has your girlfriend forced you to listen to them? Maybe you love them and it's your inner side and you want to let it out. Uh, the Lion King, I've seen it in Broadway in the summer. It was amazing. Good shade. Connor? I'll give Harry his hipster answer. Uh, Come From Away. I saw that when I was in London and it's it was really, really good. I thought that was a really good one. That's the only music I've seen like outside of this country and I thought it was nice. It was a long battle, Jack, but I have got I've got them in the musicals. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a struggle. At least appreciate them now. Are you still saying Lemez is your favourite one? <laughs> yeah, okay, like- so... So I want to ask you, right? I have a magic ball in front of me. You can play on any stage in the world. Again, these are individual answers, lads. I'll come to these each individually. You can play on any stage in the world. You can be supporting somebody. You could be the headline act. The stage could be your local. It could be a homecoming after you do a world tour. It could be your first ever big gig in front of a crowd of 100 people that, you know, actually really, you know, have listened to your original music and are there to because they are actual fans, not just because they're your friends or your friends or your family members or your mates. So I'm going to go, Fionn, I'm going to come to you first. I might steal people's here, but probably I'd say Crow Park is would be would be the one. Um, yeah. Other than that, maybe Wembley, but Crow Park will say. Fair enough. Harry? I think Slane would be Ooh, above check. Crow Park for me. I think it would be just like not that you not that shit people play in Crow Park, but you just look at the list of names that have played in Slane. Yeah. It would just yeah. be it would be incredible. It would. And Connor, finally? Slane Castle is the answer. That yeah. is you know you've made it. If you're playing Slane Castle mm-hmm. and you're the headline there, you are an all-timer. So, yeah. 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 Well, look, lads, I'm going to leave the, the next bit up to one of you for anybody that is listening. So tell me all your socials, where you can be found. If you want to give your individual socials too, feel free. Where the music's going to be found, release dates, all the usual things that we don't like. We don't like to do self-promotion, but we have to do it anyway. Go. You can get us on Instagram, which is carousel.band, and it's the same on TikTok as well, because it's all about TikTok now. Um, and you can get us as Carousel on Facebook as well. Uh, we're not on Twitter so or X or whatever it's called now, so you don't need to worry about that. Our debut single, City Lights, will be released on the 19th of January. So that is this Friday. Yes, please do stream it. And it will be available on all the standard platforms, all your usual platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and you can pre-save it by visiting our page. Uh, that is either TikTok or um, Instagram. So you can pre-save it doing that before Friday. Um, and if you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast and you listen and it's past the 19th, just please look it up and listen to the song. It's on Spotify and Apple Music. Yeah, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Fantastic stuff. Well, lads, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. This is the first, I suppose, one of 2024. And the first people are supposed to bring me something that's their first ever release that's coming out so it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much Jack thank you thank you for all your help as well you've been amazing <laughs>